We are going to be in Luke chapter 15 today, but I, I want to pray and ask the Lord to speak to each and every one of our hearts. I want to make this declaration to you, and I think it kind of coincides with the message from last Sunday. I want you to know that all people matter to God. Now, we hear that, but do we understand that? We hear that, but do we receive that? In a few moments, we're going to be looking throughout the chapter in the Gospel of Luke. But I want to pray. Father, I need you today. I need your touch. I need your strength. I need your power. I need your anointing. In this place, there may be very well someone who doesn't feel wanted, doesn't feel loved. I pray that all changes after hearing this word. In this place, there are no doubt many of us who we get so busy with life and even ministry sometimes that we forget our calling. But this morning, awaken our senses to the reality of your heart. We give you praise and we give you thanks in Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen. Do you have the heart of God today? I would ask you the question what really matters most to the heart of God? What would your answer be? Worship. Certainly, worship is important. The Lord treats worship as a sweet-smelling fragrance that ascends into His throne. Every time we worship, we lift our hands, we sing, we speak praises to Him. It's like a fragrance. It's, it's, he, he looks for worshipers. Christian service is also very important to the heart of the Father. I'm sure we would all agree that He calls us to be living sacrifices. In fact, Romans says that as a living sacrifice, it is our reasonable service. And it proves what is a good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So God wants us to be servants. And that matters a lot to Him, just like worship. Marriage and family are certainly very important to the Heavenly Father. In fact, He's so protective over the family institution that He declares... What God has joined together, let no man put asunder or tear apart. Those are all high priorities, worship and servanthood, the family institution. But with all of those as very high priorities in the heart of our Heavenly Father, I think it's safe to say that nothing is more important based on Scripture, backed up by the Bible, to the heart of our Heavenly Father as people who are lost. The harvest, the unbeliever, 
the unsaved. In fact, if you were to ask the question, why in the world did Jesus come to this earth? There'd be a lot of reasons, but as it wasn't to heal, and it wasn't to preach, and it wasn't to teach. All of those were part of his ministry. But Luke chapter 19 and verse 10 tells us exactly why he came. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. I don't believe in all of the Bible, quite frankly, the heart of God is any more revealed than in Luke chapter 15. For in Luke 15, you find the setting, there are a lot of religious people, and they're mad with Jesus because Jesus is hanging around with the riffraff, the nobodies, the common, ordinary people, people without prestige. People without influence, Jesus is drawn to those folks. In fact, they even brought an accusation against him and said in verse 2 of Luke 15, this man receives sinners and he eats with them. And so upon hearing that, he turns to the Pharisees, the religious people, and he begins to share three parables in response to their complaint against him. And I want to talk about those three parables today. The first has to do with the sheep that strayed from the flock of 100 sheep. And the shepherd left the 99 to go looking for the one lost sheep. And then we read about uh, a woman that has had 10 coins. And one of those coins has disappeared from her necklace, if you will. And how she searches the house from top to bottom until she finds it. And then the final parable is the story told of the youngest of two sons who demanded his inheritance from his father. And he left his home and wasted his inheritance on riotous living. And then the Bible says he came to himself and returned home to the open arms of his father. All three of these parables were parables of Jesus, red letters from the Gospels, words that came from the heart of the Son of God that is no doubt reflective the heart of the Heavenly Father. And I want to share a few things about these parables today. Number one, I, I want to talk about some of the, the, first I want to notice some of the striking similarities between the three parables uh, first of all, I'll tell you that in all three parables, something of value is missing. That which is missing meant a lot to the person that had lost it. The lost sheep meant something to the shepherd. The lost coin meant something to the woman. It wasn't just a matter of having ten quarters and losing one. Oh no, I'd, I'd done a lot of study on this and, and discovered that quite possibly it was, it was a, a dowry. It was a, a part of her betrothal. It, she was waiting on maybe her fiancé to return, that one that she was engaged to that was going to marry her. And he had left her with ten coins, and it was her responsibility to keep up with all ten coins. Other Bible scholars believe it was part of her inheritance. But the bottom line is, if she lost one of the ten coins, she had to do what she could to find it and to discover it. And then, of course, we know the lost son meant a lot to his earthly father. They were all lost. And as we heard last week, and let me just piggyback on to that, they were all worth saving. They, it was serious to lose a sheep. 
It was worse to lose the money, but it was worst of all to lose the son. I just want to stop here and remind you as I find myself doing more and more often that every single created being was created by God. And every single being created was important to the Lord. The very hairs of your head are numbered. The works of your hands are recorded. I want you to know that all people matter to God Almighty. The smallest bird cannot fall out of the sky without the Father's knowledge. How much more does he attend to those who are created in his very image? You, my friend, are fearfully and wonderfully made. Before he formed you, he knew you. Your name is engraved upon the palm of his hand. The scripture calls you the apple of his eye. This is no junkyard, and we are no junkyard dogs. We are the highest of his creation. Every soul, no matter the color of their skin, no matter the shortcomings in their life, no matter the, the handicap that they may battle with, on a day in or day out basis every single soul is important to the heart of the heavenly father can someone say amen so we see in these parables that something of value is missing Another similarity that we see here is that an all-out search was warranted. An all-out search took place to find the sheep, to find the coin, to find the sun. The love for the sheep drove the shepherd to rocks and ravines looking for the lamb. No doubt he put himself in a dangerous place, maybe even on, on, on rocks and crags and sides of mountains looking for this sheep that had wandered away. For the woman in the house, the love for the coin no doubt drove her to turn the furniture over, opening all cupboards and cabinets. And then ultimately we see the greatest love, the love for the son. It placed the father in wisdom on his front porch every evening, looking and longing for his boy to come home. His father exercised restraint only because he respected his boy's freedom. But without a doubt, Brother Turpin, his eyes scanned the horizon every morning and every evening. His eyes went searching even though he physically did not go searching because he respected his son's freedom. He wanted him to come home. He knew he was in a bad place. He knew no doubt that he was wasting his substance on riotous living. And I, I want to tell you, and I, let me just stop here and say that parents in this room, we know that sometimes love wants to smother, but wisdom has to prevail. But that doesn't change the breaking heart. That doesn't change the, the racing or the searching mind. You know, I heard this adage a long time ago. What is it? When they're two year old, they step on your feet and you think that's a tough time until they're 20 years old and they step upon your heart. Let me tell you something. I remember listening to Dr. Tim Hill one day, not too long ago. He talked about how one of his daughters, he has three daughters, and he talked about how one of his daughters got a business degree and, and, and was a musician and a, and a vocalist much like himself. And she got caught up in a rock band and started traveling with the rock band and, and kind of turning her back on the, on the church and, and upon the Lord. And for four years, for four years, four long years, he would watch God.
God use him dramatically to win young people by the, by the hundreds while his own daughter strayed. I remember him painting the portrait to us, how his wife would go into the daughter's bedroom and she would lay oh, across the bed and she would cry and pray for hours on end uh, for the daughter, the wayward daughter to come home. So much so that when the daughter came home after a performance, she could crawl into her bed and smell the fragrance of her mother's perfume that had been laying across that bed. Let me tell you something this morning. God, and thank God he went on to say that the Lord restored her and she came back home uh, to the Lord. But I want you to know something, mom and dad. You're not the only one out there searching for your lost son or daughter. You're not the only one out there that's searching after that wayward grandchild. Oh no, they have an innate created conscience that tells them there is a higher moral power. They also have your prayers and mine that dispatch conviction into their hearts about a need for change. But if they lacked conscience and if they didn't have the prayers of every one of the mothers and fathers in this room, one thing they have for sure, they have God's love for mankind. They have his spirit that is working every day in their life and knocking at their heart's door. Don't you give up. Don't you give in. It doesn't matter how deep the pit that they are in. God's arm is long enough to reach them. And even when your prayers are exhausted and even when you think their conscience has been seared with a hot iron, let me tell you, love and God's love is as strong as death and will reach them where they are and bring them home. Hallelujah. It matters not who they are. God's Spirit is pursuing them because people matter to God. Now, I want to tell you something. I'm going to stop. I may talk about this further later. But Christianity and certain parts of the church, we need to repent over our selection process. <laughs> When this church, the Pulaski Church of God, not the church down the street or up the hill, but when this church begins to set parameters on who is and who is not accepted, it is no longer a church run by Jesus Christ. And let me tell you, a church that is not run by Jesus Christ is no longer a church at all. Because his spirit is pursuing every single soul. There are souls in here in this morning, Brother Jerry, that the Holy Spirit is pursuing. You say, well, I just come to church to please a family member. Oh, yeah, that may be the surface reason. But the truth of the matter is you're here by divine providence. You're here because God set you up. Because his spirit is pursuing you because he loves you with an everlasting love. In fact, in Revelation 3.20, he says, Behold, I stand at your heart's door and I knock. And if any man will open the door, I will come in and commune with him and sup with him and he with me. So we see in these three parables that something of value is missing. And, and then we see that an all-out search is taking place. 
Then the third similarity that I want you to see is when the lost is found in all three parables, there is a great amount of rejoicing. When the shepherd found his lost lamb, he called his friends and his neighbors, and he said, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. When the woman, after maybe turning over furniture and checking every, every cupboard and every cabinet, when she found that one coin, that piece that she'd been looking for, she contacted her friends and her, her neighbors and said, Rejoice with me, for I have found the piece which I had lost. Oh, the father of the prodigal, when the son finally came home, he said these words words after he wrapped his arms around his smelly, dirty body and he kissed all over his face. He said these words to his servants. He said, bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son that was lost is now found. This my son that was dead is now alive. I'm telling you, we get excited we get happy about certain things. We get rejoicing when the music is on and when the preacher's doing okay. But I'm telling you, when you want a real shouting party, you let a soul or 10 souls or 20 souls find peace around these altars. Then we'll have something to really rejoice about. Heaven doesn't get excited about our concerts. Heaven doesn't get excited about our great preaching. But I'm telling you, a cosmic celebration begins to take place when a soul finds Jesus as her personal Savior and Lord, then we have a right to rejoice. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Seraphims and cherubims, the four beasts and the 24 elders and all of the angelic host that are in heaven and all of them, Brother Dehart, that have gone on before. They rejoice. I'd like to kind of step in for a moment, see what it looks like when they get word. We are here to report that there has been a soul saved at the Pulaski Church of God in Southwest Virginia. The place goes bananas with celebration. That's what makes heaven happy. A party thrown in your honor. A cosmic celebration. A banner hung over your chair at the master's table. <laughs> All of heaven rejoices, letting me know more than anything that people, all people, matter to God. We must go after lost people. In fact, we should be bold about going after lost people. Sometimes it gets extreme to communicate God's love to people. Let me tell you this one story about a man that worked at a fitness center. He was a believer. Another man from India started working out at the fitness center who was a devout Muslim. 
Not many people in the fitness center wanted to have anything to do with him. But this man that worked there became his friend. They became very good friends. One afternoon, the man that worked there, his name was Bill, he, he gave his Muslim brother a Bible. And the next day, the man came in from India and handed Bill a copy of the Koran. Good friends. A few days went by. One day the Muslim gentleman came in to the locker room and Bill happened to be in there. And the man comes up and says, my wife has left me and I'm alone. Here in the locker room. The Holy Spirit spoke to Bill to reach out and embrace this man. An extreme request. Bill said three problems instantly jumped up in my mind. Number one, Bill said, I'm not naturally affectionate, especially with men. Number two, He's worshiping the competition. And a third reason why, because Bill was standing there in his boxer shorts. <laughs> what are you saying? I'm saying there are lost people outside these four walls that are dying and splitting hell wide open. They need Jesus. They need somebody to get extreme. They need somebody to get passionate. They need somebody to say, you know, no matter what it takes, I'm going to show them the love of God. You know, I, you know we, we make it so complicated. I, I learned uh, a few years ago that out of ten people, eight would come to church if they simply had a personal invitation. So when I picked up my little uh, mixed uh, uh, English bulldog this week from the groomer, I said, I want you to come to my church. When I went up to Tom's drive-thru and had my hamburger the other day, I said to the waitress, I want you to come to church. I'm telling you, this is no cruise ship. This is a battleship. This is not a time to be sitting on the deck enjoying the blessings of the Lord. There are souls out there that we got to go to battle for. We got to get passionate. We got to get diligent. We got to get vigilant. Our family is dependent on us. Our friends are dependent upon us. Our, our, our co-workers are dependent on us. All people matter to God. All people, all people matter to the Lord. Let me go to the second half of this message. I talked about the similarities in the three parables. Now let's examine three different or contrasting circumstances that contributed to them being lost. All of these apply to lost people. So if you're here, this is going to speak directly to you if you're lost. First of all, the sheep's curiosity, the sheep's foolishness caused it to go astray. That's exactly why the sheep left the flock. 
he found a, a different place to graze. He knew it had lost companionship, but yet was drawn aside by greener grass. Curiosity. Every sinner's like that wandering sheep because of the insatiable curiosity with sin. More material things, more pleasure, more self-satisfaction. In fact, Isaiah said it best. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. James 1.14 says, But every one is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Sheep lost because of its own foolishness. Greener grass. Greener grass has snagged a lot of people. Sometimes when you discover greener grass, maybe you need to remember that there's a sewer close by. The sheep was lost by its own foolishness. Are you here this morning and you're lost due to your own foolishness? You matter to God. Sometimes people are lost through carelessness. The lost coin. This one really grabs my heart. You see, we're all going to stand before God. We're all going to give an account of our own personal walk. No one will stand with you. It will be your choices that determine your eternity. But having said that, you find in the lost coin someone who represents a lifeless person, a, a person that lacks self-motivation, a pawn in someone else's hand, a follower heavily influenced by someone else and then because of their lack of care for that person's spiritual welfare, they're dropped in a corner under a couch. For the longest time, no one even knows or cares that they're missing until we realize that the dowry isn't complete. The body of Christ is fragmented. There are good church folks this morning that are sitting at home trying to find God through a television ministry that have been dropped by the church. Now you can say amen or oh me. I'm confident in the 100-year history of this church that there are those that used to dot the doorway of this church at one time, but because of their own lack in self-motivation and maybe even the church's lack of care, today they're backslidden. A valuable asset lost in the dust underneath the sin's couch. Lord, help us find the spiritual brooms and go searching and go sweeping.
Let's resurrect our love for those lost coins that have been swept under a rug somewhere. Let's upend whatever we need to upend to once again expose them to the glorious light of the gospel. I said this not too long ago in a Wednesday night Bible study. But you know one of the fruit of the Spirit, one of the nine fruit is called gentleness. Gentleness. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering. Gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Gentleness. <laughs> I'm convinced that the Lord made sure to include gentleness because sometimes we good church folk are mean to each other. And we're mean to others. And we don't handle each other with the love of Christ. Now don't get me wrong, some people wear their feelings on their sleeves. And if you don't smile at them, if you don't shake their hand, you don't ask them how their week was, nose gets out of joint, Oh, they don't care about me there. Those are present. Those, those exist. I understand that. Sometimes you get careless. And the coin drops. I was in my son's automobile the other day. It was dry... It, got before I got into the driver's seat and there's probably ten dollars worth of coins that my fat fingers can't get to they're wedged I mean I, I, I don't have the equipment to take the driver's seat out or else I would I can't stand the fact that there's multiple coins there and I can't get to them He knows not to leave money in his pockets because mama said if it's in your pockets, it's mine. But I go looking in the car, and I'm like, man, I wish I could get to them coins. Quarters and quarters and quarters everywhere. I'm like, I can't reach them. There are coins lost to the family of God. As I stand before you today, I guarantee you somebody would come to your mind. You, I, I'm amazed. I told my parents, i got to talk to you a minute. I told my mother, my mother and father have been at their church about 40 years. And I said, Mom, about how many people, about the same size church as we are, but I said, about how many people have been there as long, let's say 30 years or longer? And my mom said, probably about 15 folks. I said, you ain't got nothing on us. I said, I would not be surprised if we don't have a hundred folks that have been at the Pulaski Church of God. We'll go 25 years or longer. I think I'm pretty accurate on that. If I really sat down and counted it out. So why do you bring that up, Pastor? Because I tell you right now, there are a multitude of people in here that know someone that used to go to church and don't go to church today. Come on now, somebody help me here. And all they need is somebody to take their broom and 
sweep the dust around them and say, hey, I just want you to know. I know it's been a few months. I know it's been a few years. But I haven't stopped caring about you. I'm getting ready to close. If the sheep was lost through foolishness and the coin was lost through carelessness, the son was lost through willfulness. In fact, he deliberately, willfully, and consciously rejected his father, his family, and he chose a life of rebellion. When his money was gone, he was, he was feeding with the swine, he was, that was, which was deplorable to a Jew. Eating their husk to feed his own belly. His willful rebellion led him to a pigsty. But there was good news because God was still chasing him. The scripture says one day he came to himself. In the middle of all the muck and the mire. He had an awakening in his conscience. He had an awakening in his mind. And he said, you know what? I may not be accepted back as a son, but I'm sure I could go back and maybe I could be a servant in my father's house. <laughs> I picture the dirty, ragged, tired boy walking toward home, worn down with humility. The father sees him and the father is distinguished. He's been looking out every day from the porch. He's well up in years, but all of a sudden he recognized the silhouette of that figure that he saw coming in the distance. His prayers had finally been answered. He left the porch, and though well up in years, he, he ran to where his son was. He sacrificed his dignity, his, his age, his energy. He runs to meet him. He, he didn't care about Jewish laws and customs. Don't have anything to do with somebody that's been bathing and eating with the pigs and the, and the swine. You're a Jew after all. It didn't matter because his son had come home. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Let me say some things to you this morning. You that are lost and I know that you're present. Sin will promise you freedom. And you can rebel against the Father searching for freedom. But let me tell you what the Bible says. It says whosoever commits sin is a servant to sin. Sin promises success, but it brings failure. Sin promises life, but the scripture is very clear that the wages of sin is death. Maybe you're here this morning, you're lost because of your own foolishness. Or you're lost because of someone else's carelessness and you've been wounded. I can't tell you how many stories I hear about people that are not in church because they were hurt by the church and I am so, so sorry. I stand as an ambassador of Christ to apologize to you on behalf of the church. But when you stand before the Lord, someone else's carelessness will not stand in the presence of God. 
Maybe you're lost because of your own willfulness and rebellion. The Father wants to throw you a party. Cosmic celebration in your honor by granting you eternal life and by you accepting Him. While every head's bowed and every eye's closed, you matter to God. You matter to God. Say, Pastor Don, I things are not right between me and Jesus today. They're just not right. Whether it's your foolishness or others' carelessness or your willfulness, the bottom line is things are just not, you're not where you should be with the Lord. And you just slide your hand up and put it right back down all over this room. God bless that honest hand. God bless that honest hand. Come on, someone else. Are things good between your soul and your Savior? (laughs) How do I make it right? It's simple. You don't hear a whole lot about it these days, but it's still true. If you will repent. Godly sorrow works repentance. You just simply have to say, Lord, by my own foolishness, by my by, by my own willfulness, maybe due to others' carelessness. Lord, I've, I've wandered from you. I'm like the lost sheep. I've, I've, I've gone out looking for greener pastures only to be dissatisfied. I'm, I'm like the lost coin. I've, I've just been dropped and the wound is deep and grievous. Like the lost prodigal. My own rebellion. I've gone out and I've wasted some time of my life, and I'm ready to come back home. You either raised your hands or if you didn't, this altar is open to you, and I invite you to come. I invite you to come and find your peace. You don't get peace from me, but I'll help you pray. And the Scripture promises that the Lord will bless you with His peace. Anyone? Look at me for a moment. We are three weeks away from Easter. And I know we have the Easter and Christmas folks. We'll have two services at 9 and 10.30 and it'll be full, filled, full and filled. But you and I have a responsibility. We have a responsibility to touch someone for Jesus. And there is not a greater time throughout all the year for someone to have the potential of celebrating from death to life than on Easter Sunday. He said, because I live, you shall live also. At the end of service, when you're going out today, we have these beautiful invitation cards very simple. They just say worship with us. Easter 2019. It it talks about the Good Friday service at 7 and then Easter Sunday services at 9 and 1030. You're invited to join us on Easter Sunday. Eight out of ten people responded that they would go to church if only they were invited. 
So I'm going to challenge you today. We got 200 of them, but it'd be pretty easy with a click of a button to order some more before next Sunday. But I'm going to challenge you. More importantly, the Holy Spirit is challenging you. When you leave out today, take one, two, take five invitations. Danny and Gail are going to be down there at that entrance that you came in. See, unless you go out the gym doors, you're not going to escape them. They're going to be right there smiling at you. And you may say, I want one. I want ten. The only thing I'm asking you to do is don't waste them. Don't patronize me by taking them and then chucking them in a trash can. If you're going to take them, take them. Take them to your dry cleaner. Take them to your groomer. Take them to the cashier at Wally World. Take them to your neighbors. In just a couple of days, I haven't sought permission. And if anybody from my neighborhood is watching, I could be in hot water before I ever do it. But I, I plan on putting out invitations to my whole neighborhood. People matter to God. People matter to God. And so, Danny and Gail, I want you to come up here. And we're going we're gonna to pray. I've got these stacks right here. We're just going to pray for them. We're going we're gonna to anoint them. We're going to pray for them and, and ask God to, to bless these cards in your hands. You may go out here and say, you know what? I want 25. Good for you. 25 strong. Take them. You may go out and say, I don't want one. i got one person on my mind right now. I want to invite to Easter Sunday. Now, look, don't be going and inviting somebody you know is coming with you anyway. Children are in town. You know they're going to come. They want to eat your food in the afternoon. I'm talking about inviting people that you know need the Lord. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. And I want you to stretch your hand this direction. And I want you to pray. I want to hear you pray. I want to hear you pray. We believe in concert praying. I want you to pray. And I want you to ask the Lord as you're praying, God. How many people you want me to invite to Easter Sunday because people matter to God? Pray with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, I lay my hands on these invitations today. <laughs> Lord, if I've said it publicly, I'll say it again. If we become about that new facility, we will have missed the mark. We have to be about people. We have to be about loving people and serving people and ministering to people. And these simple invitations are our way of communicating our love to those that are dear to our heart. It may be in the post office this week. It may be at the bank. It may be in an administration building somewhere. It may be in the hallways of our school. But I pray for a boldness and a courage to come over this house that people would understand and realize how precious people are.
to you. Thank you, Lord. Here's the truth. Someone came looking for you. Brother Jerry, come on up here. Someone came looking for you. When I was eight, eight, nine years old, a man by the name of Cliff Morgan served in the Navy in Hampton Roads, led me to Jesus as a child because people matter to God. People matter to God. Do you love the Lord? Aren't you glad He loves you? Aren't you glad He didn't stop searching for you? Brother Jerry, dismiss us in prayer.